Well, good evening. <laughs> uh, it's that time. Let's get our hymn books and stand, if you would. We'll sing hymn number 62. I love to tell the story. 62. <laughs>
prayer. Brother Brinson, would you order a prayer, please? Lord, thank you for the evening we can be in your house tonight, Lord. We thank you for uh, those that are uh, feeling better this week and able to be Amen. back in your house. Lord, mm -hmm. We continue to ask that you would be with those that uh, are still ill and uh, Lord, restore their health to them. I pray that you would uh, just give a, 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 um, a good yeah. healing, Lord, to Brother Steve Irwin, that you would yes. touch his body, Lord, just continue to be with those that... Uh, uh, maybe ill, be with Miss Lancaster. My heart goes after her. Lord. It's good to be back and uh, so uh, glad that you're here tonight as well and uh, thankful for those who are going to be joining us on the live stream as well and uh, got that all running that's a blessing and sure grateful for that technology is a blessing uh, we enjoyed getting on and watching when we were unable to be here on last Wednesday and then Sunday and just so grateful to uh, be back in the Lord's house uh, I tell you, it's just a constant reminder when you can't be at church, especially with us living like right over there. Till every Sunday morning, you know, you're like looking out the window longing like, oh, I wish we could be over there, you know. He's like a lost little puppy. And so uh, it's a blessing. It's so grateful to be back in the Lord's house and uh, excited about Sunday. It seems like a lot of people that I visited with who are uh, sick or just getting over stuff or whatever the case might be with the COVID as it's running through. It seems like just the area, not even our church, yeah. uh, just seems like, boy, in just a week, it just hit this area, just boom. Yeah. And uh, so anyways, I'm thankful uh, for the most part. Um, I'll give some updates on some here in a moment. But overall, for the most part, for the number of people who have gotten sick, not just from our church, but even from the area, I've heard rather positive things. Most people just feeling a little crummy or just maybe having a cough or sore throat or feeling sick for a few days and nothing super, super major uh, overall, the majority of folks. And so I'm, I'm sure thankful for that. And so uh, the prevailing thing I've heard from most people uh, is that they're going to be here Sunday. And so hopefully that comes to fruition. And uh, we have a lot of folks who are able to be here uh, this Sunday and looking forward to that. And I think it goes without saying, but I'll, I'll just say it just for the sake of uh, having it out there. And for someone who maybe is that guy, you know, who back in the day is, well, I'm just going to tough it out. You know, I'm just going to go is, you know, if you're sick, just stay home. You know, it just really is the, the best route to go. Uh, even if it isn't COVID, you know, other stuff gets other people sick too. And, and uh, just a good idea, you know, just stay home for a, a service, miss a service or two, and they come back. Uh, and better for one person to miss a couple services for them for half the church to miss a month of services, okay? And so uh, just good uh, 
mindset to have and just uh, it's not fun. Trust me, I've been there uh, this last week. You want to be at church, uh, but uh, you know if you start feeling crummy and sick, just stay home for uh, that week and then we'll catch you the next week and that'll be a blessing. All right, I do have uh, several updates uh, on our prayer list and um, I appreciate Miss Patty Noyce uh, getting this to us and even after we had printed these, uh, she sent an updated list and so I'll need to give you uh, uh, kind of an amendment uh, and give you a little bit of some changes on uh, the list here. And so, but if you didn't get one, they're back there on that table in between the doors back there, just right outside of the auditorium here. And uh, you're welcome to run and grab one of those. All right, uh, just real quick, uh, just to kind of run through this. Um, uh, there's some that are on here um, that, that I believe we could probably take off uh, that are kind of on the COVID-19 uh, type deal. Obviously, myself, uh, you, can, you can take me off of that. Uh, I, I don't know, though. So really I... Uh, needed a whole lot of prayer in that regard of being sick. <clears throat> Basically what I feel like right now is what I felt like last Wednesday. I just had a cough. And so I was really shocked when it came back that I was positive because it was basically almost asymptomatic uh, with that. And so uh, anyways, and then there's several others uh, like Callie. She's feeling better. Um, and, um, and so th there's just a lot of people that are on here. I talked to Kim and Brian uh, Bolden. Uh, they're still um, not at peak performance they're still feeling kind of sluggish and especially brian not feeling super well uh, but he said he's getting out and dealing with the cows and things and still able to pretty well do things as uh, normal and, uh, and so there, there's several that uh, covid wise that are recovering and seem to be doing better uh, the main one that we need to be praying for there's two um, it, that have the sickness and and one i don't know for sure if they have covid we haven't got the test results yet or have we uh, while you're looking, I'll, I'll talk about Brother Steve. Uh, Brother Steve Irwin, I appreciate Brother David. He took him up to the hospital uh, yesterday. And they admitted him. Uh, he uh, just having trouble breathing, which is oftentimes the major problem with COVID, and just having trouble getting his oxygen levels up. And so they admitted him, and I believe gave him six bags of IV with the medication and stuff in it and just a lovely cocktail, you know, and uh, got him on the up and up and doing better. And so that's a definite praise the Lord there. I talked to him this morning and uh, he seemed to be doing uh, great and uh, they did not release him. They wanted to hold him one more day. And, uh, but he said he's doing way better uh, than he was yesterday. Uh, yesterday he just was, uh, Brother David said just weak and couldn't hardly get around good and just having trouble breathing and they got him taken care of. And so that's a blessing and pray that that continues in a good recovery direction there. Have we heard so anything? So the COVID is negative. Okay. It doesn't mean she didn't have it. It just means she doesn't have it right now. But they're okay. running a lot of tests. They do not know what's wrong with her. Okay. So the other one is, is Adeline. She's, uh, they've got her up at Cook's right now and they've just run kind of a battery of tests. She doesn't have COVID, but she has a fever uh, which is a fairly high fever for an infant and uh, just lethargic, just not even really wanting to hold her head up or do anything really and just uh, really coughing and having a lot of production and stuff that way. And so uh, anyways, they're, they're kind of running some just a battery of tests on her to figure out what's up and uh, the COVID test, at least the rapid one, came back negative. And so um, as of right now, it looks like she doesn't have COVID, but definitely be in prayer for her. Uh, that line will start uh, 
feeling better, and especially with the breathing side of things and that that temperature will come down. That's a big part of that. Okay, uh, let me run over a few that are not on the prayer list here. Just give you a little bit of updates on them. Um, Miss Adrian's grandkids, some of them have COVID. Uh, the ones that are living with them do not uh, that we know of, but they are sick. And so uh, she asked for prayer for Brett and Amy and Hayden. They're all sick and have COVID. And so be in prayer for them. And then, of course, we already mentioned Adeline and Steve and them there. Uh, we also need to be in prayer for John Sanders. That's Janie Pitt's grandson uh, who has COVID also. And I believe he just tested positive today. And so uh, be in prayer for them. And uh, uh, Miss Janie, of course, with that exposure, wasn't wanting to come to the church. She is not sick, but uh, with that exposure, she didn't want to come. And then um, another one that we want to add in here, Miss Pam DeCola has asked us to pray for a friend uh, who is got hit by a truck and is in the ICU, and his name is Andrew. And so we need to be in prayer for uh, him there. So those are some that are not on the prayer list here uh, that we, we definitely need to be in prayer uh, for. And uh, so Miss uh, Doris Lancaster, we got a call from her uh, yesterday, I guess, and she's uh, doing better, and so we, we definitely give the Lord thanks for that and praise uh, for her and, and for her doing better. Right, any other updates uh, to anything here tonight or any new prayer requests? Yes, sir, Brother Gary. Um, so last week, uh, my cousin, he got into a fire, house fire in Kentucky. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So it's uh, Gary's cousin, right, that uh, up in Kentucky and uh, went into a house fire. And they don't know the exact reason, but think it was to go back in to get some money. And anyways, he wound up dying. And so that's, uh, that's pretty tragic. So definitely be praying for your family, Gary, and, and dealing with that loss for sure. So any other uh, prayer requests here tonight? For the Gary. Just an update on my wife. Yeah. She's better and she actually went back to work today. Okay. Yeah, that's a blessing. Yeah, yeah that is sure a blessing. So, Miss Brenda, if you didn't know, she doesn't like to do things halfway. So she got COVID and the flu at the same time, and so, but she's on the up and up and now back at work, and so we're thankful for that. And so. she's been she's been fully vaccinated, had the booster. <laughs> Yeah, well, there you go. Look at that. Isn't that fun? So, uh, <laughs> so definitely be, and I am thankful, uh, especially Omicron seems like at least in, for most people, it's, it seems a little bit more mild. Uh, and uh, the, the blessing on that is too, new CDC guidelines uh, have the quarantine time down to five days. Uh, so that's, that's sure a blessing too. Um, and that's uh, kind of makes it people where they can get sick, get over it and get back to life instead of being cooped up. Because sometimes uh, what's worse than people being sick is that feeling of isolation and disconnection, you know. And uh, we sure need that, you know. We as people, we need contact with other people. And so, uh, anyways, amen. That's a blessing. All right, any other prayer requests or any updates here tonight? All right, well, let's go to the Lord in order of prayer uh, as we start our service here tonight. 
Father, we come to you now. We just want to give you thanks for uh, so many answers to prayers. Lord, we, uh, as we look back just even over this last week, uh, Lord, I'm just mindful of how you blessed with Zach being here and the Shives, just how they were able to step in and just really minister to this church and uh, really be a crutch for us during this time of need. And Lord, we just want to give you thanks for that. Uh, Lord, in your providence that you saw that that would happen. And uh, Lord, we, we also just want to uh, give you thanks for so many who have uh, been sick and uh, Lord have uh, got COVID or even the flu or even uh, some who have not had COVID but still been sick. And uh, Lord, we're just thankful for so many of them now that we're hearing back from and hearing recovery stories and those who are doing better and so many who are stating they're planning on being here Sunday. And so Lord, we just give you thanks for that. And uh, Lord, we, we just want to be a grateful people. Uh, Lord, we don't ever come to you just with uh, a grumbling heart or with a heart of expectation of wish things were different. Uh, Lord, when we think about all the blessings that you've daily loaded us with, we are just beyond blessed. And so thank you, God, for that. We're just very appreciative of it. And uh, Father, we do pray especially here tonight for Adeline, Lord, hasting as she's uh, up at Cook's right now. Uh, Lord, I do pray for Callie and Scott. Lord, just pray that you'll calm their hearts and minds. Uh, Lord, young parents, there can be a lot of concern. And uh, Lord, just pray that you'd give them peace that passes understanding. Lord, give the doctors wisdom. Lord, can they figure out what uh, is going on and that they can be able to uh, administer the correct treatment and help for that little baby. And uh, Father, pray that you'll raise her up and bring her back to health quickly. Lord, we do pray for Brother Steve. Lord, we're so grateful. Yesterday, he just didn't seem well at all. And uh, Lord, we're grateful that uh, he seems to be doing much better. Lord, we pray that he'd be discharged tomorrow and that he'd be on the up and up uh, health-wise. Lord, we thank you for uh, protecting Miss Karen, allowing her not to feel terrible and get sick as well. And so, Lord, we just give you thanks for that. And of course, so many we could mention that have COVID or sickness, or we ask that you'll touch each one of them, raise them up, heal them, and uh, Lord, just put your hand of blessing and, and help uh, on them. Lord, we do pray for Miss Pam, Nicola, friend Andrew, who has been hit by a vehicle, and uh, Lord, don't know the extent of the injuries and things there, but just asking that you'll be with them, and, and Lord, give them help. And so Lord, we, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come to you in prayer. Thank you for the opportunity to assemble tonight. May we be edified and encouraged from your word. We love you. It's in your name we do pray. Amen and amen. Well, we were supposed to start last Wednesday, but the Lord had other plans. And so we're going to start tonight into the book of Leviticus. And so I'm looking forward to this. I think it's going to be a, a blessing and encouragement to each one of us. And uh, so Leviticus chapter number one is where we're going to be at tonight. Leviticus and chapter number one. And uh, someone might have uh, come in tonight and been unawares that we were going to be starting a series on Wednesday night in the book of Leviticus, and you just went, uh, because <laughs> the book of Leviticus usually doesn't spur on this like excitement of, this is going to be great, this is going to be the most wonderful study of all time. Uh, but I'm telling you, the more I read and study in the book of Leviticus, the more I, I fall in love with the book. It is so uh, educational, but more than that, it really is more of a narrative than you realize. Most people think it's like reading a rule book. 
Uh, but really it's more like a story. It's more of a narrative than you realize. And there's a lot of doctrine in it too. And so I'm very appreciative uh, to be able to jump into the book. I also want you to take uh, your Bible and open up to Galatians 3 and just put a piece of paper or your little ribbon, if that's not going to mess you up in your Bible reading, and, uh, or your finger. Of course, if you use your finger, you're going to be holding it for a while because we're not going there till the end of the service. Uh, we just want to have that ready to go to uh, when we get to it and want to have that uh, speedy uh, ability for us to turn there uh, towards the end uh, of the service. All right. Well, if you found your place in Leviticus 1 and Galatians 3, let's stand together uh, if you are able to uh, for the reading of God's Word. We're going to do a really lengthy reading tonight. We're just reading verse 1 and the first part of verse 2. Okay, so just a little bit of reading tonight of Leviticus chapter number 1. The Bible says, And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them. Okay, now we're not going to get into what he's going to talk about just yet. We're just going to lay some groundwork this evening, do some preliminary work. Uh, one word I want you, if you're in the habit of underlining your Bible or just making special note of this, notice in uh, verse number one there, the Bible says, And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him, what's the next word? Out. out of the tabernacle. Okay, out of the tabernacle of the congregation. Jump over to the book of Numbers. We'll, we'll do this just real quick uh, while we're standing here and reading the scriptures. Numbers chapter number one. Numbers and chapter number one and verse number one. Okay. Again, I know Numbers doesn't usually spur on this like, woohoo, we're going to study there. But th this is important because it follows uh, a significance of what's going on in the nation of Israel. Okay. Notice in verse number 1 of Numbers 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. Now what's that next word? In, in the tabernacle of the congregation. An interesting thought, isn't it? Something happens in the book of Leviticus where God speaks to Moses out of the tabernacle to them when he's speaking to him in the tabernacle in Numbers. Okay, so there's something significant that happens in the book of Leviticus, and we're going to work on what that is uh, here this evening. May God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. <clears throat> Has anyone ever heard of Slab City? Anybody ever heard of Slab City? Okay, great. I'm excited to share this with you. <laughs> Okay, apparently in Southern California, there is an area that used to be a military base, and it is known as the last free place on earth, is what they call it. It is a place that lives outside of the jurisdiction of any government. There is no law there whatsoever. Now, of course, you would know that would happen in California, right? Uh, but in that area, there, there's absolutely zero laws. And so there, there's no police, there's no fire, there's no water, there's no electricity. There's nothing there. It is an area that lives outside of the jurisdiction of anyone. And so they jokingly say there, we've been three days without a homicide. We're hoping to make it one week. You know, and, and of course... From what I know, that's not really a reality of what's going on there. Most people that are there, people who are in poverty, are they like totally anti-government and they just move out there and live in a tent or a camper and live without laws. But you can imagine just for a second, a place without laws. It's become popular in our society even for people to say what's right for you might not be right for me. And what's wrong for me not, might not be wrong for you. And it's become very subjective, right? 
Uh, actually, they would say it this way <clears throat> in the book of Judges, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Okay, that, that's not a new thing. As Solomon says in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's no new thing under the sun. Okay, it's all been done before. And this new enlightenment of, well, what's right for you might not be right for me, and what's wrong for you might not be wrong for me. This new subjectiveness of morality and right and wrong, and as they're really absolutes, you know, that, that's nothing new that's been around for a while. We can imagine a place without laws or rules or regulations, and it's hard to imagine what our nation might look like if it really became this dystopia or this place without laws and it just was lawless and wild and just everybody did that which was right in their own eyes and what they thought was right and what others thought was wrong. I honestly believe uh, in our country and in most of the world we have probably too many laws. That's a subject for another time, probably not a preaching service, but uh, I think honestly if, if you come down to it, when, when you need thousands of pages just to explain really one new law, man, there's almost too much of that that's out there. But with that being said, I'm thankful that there are laws. Amen. I really am. I might feel like there's too many of them, but some of the ones that are out there, I'm thankful for it. I really am. I'm thankful for our police. I'm thankful for our firefighters. I'm thankful for all those involved in all those uh, first responders, law enforcement, all that. I'm so grateful for it and laws by which people are to abide by and then those that are willing to enforce them. I'm really grateful for that. It would be difficult civilly in our country, but even more, I believe it would be difficult for people morally. What I mean by that is civilly people might say, well, where's the right and wrong about speed limits and about uh, property and about all these things if there was no laws? We would have civic unrest and, and civil problems. But boy, what if there was no moral absolutes? No moral absolutes. Uh, anymore, I, I wonder with the way people dress and the way people talk and the way people behave themselves. Sometimes I wonder, uh, do we have any moral standards left? But you can imagine if there really was no moral standard that was out there, where people would take that to. Come on now. You understand where human society goes and what is already uh, considered morally acceptable and legal. We almost as Christians, we like, we can't, oh my goodness, I can't believe that is there. Even in the shadows, I can't believe that's there. But then it'd be done in broad daylight. I mean, if there was some of these laws that were done away with. Could you imagine if morals were totally determined, but what was right by everybody? What's right for me, I'm just going to do that. I can murder who I want to. I, I, I can dress how I want to. I'm going I'm to do whatever I want to. And it doesn't matter because it's not wrong for me. That was the way in which we lived. Now, I'm thankful that God gave us a book of laws. Amen. I'm thankful that we do have absolute truth. And I'm absolutely sure about that. That's right. Yeah, I'm thankful that I can say there's a lot of things in life that are subjective, but I'm thankful we have some objective truth. Amen. It doesn't change with societal whims. God's morality doesn't shift based on whether you lived in one place of the world or the other, or whether you live in uh, 1000 BC or 2000 AD. It doesn't matter. God's moral structure is objective and it is absolute. 
So much though that I can say this is right and that is wrong. And it's not about my opinion about it. It's God's already declared it in His Word. Now we come to a book, the book of Leviticus, which really is a book of the law. That's what it is. And of course it's written to the tribe of Levi. That's where we get the word Leviticus from. And it was procedures and laws by which the tribe of Levi, and then by extension, the rest of the nation of Israel would live according to. So here we have a, a book of laws. Far too often nestled at the end of the book of Exodus, Leviticus, and then the first part of the book of Numbers, we hit a part of the Bible that a lot of people far too often think of as irrelevant. It has no application for us today. It's irrelevant. The books are very important though, and they're not just legal jargon. Okay, it's not reading a legal document, a legal book, even though it really is ultimately what it is. But really there's a lot of narrative of historical significance that goes on within the book as well. Uh, come on, the ha latter half of the book of Exodus, uh, there's some historical narrative in there. What I mean by that is it's telling a story. It's not just reading a law book. There's a story being told. That's true in Leviticus, and that's true in the first part of the book of Numbers as well. But even more than its legal importance, and even more than its historical significance, is its theological, its doctrinal, and its timeless spiritual truths. That's the most important part. Is there is timeless truth that supersedes all of time, and it's not specific just for Israel at that time. It's in the Bible for a reason. Without the law, we have little truth of what sin is. Mm -hmm. If we don't have the book of Leviticus, we, we don't know what sin is. We don't know what wrong is. We don't know what right is. We, we don't know what holiness is if we don't have the book of Leviticus. If we don't have the law, we don't understand the need for atonement of sin. If we don't know what sin is, then why do we need atonement for that or a covering for that sin to be right with God? If we don't have the law, we don't know what makes us not right with God, but then we don't know what will make us right with God. We just don't have that. Without the law, without the book of Leviticus, and without the law of the Old Testament, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ's blood in the New Testament seems pointless and confusing and makes absolutely no sense. Amen. Without the book of Leviticus. The law is absolutely required. Without the law, it makes no sense. So in the book of Exodus, we have a picture of God's people being set apart. Now this is important. You remember the first 19 chapters of the book of Exodus? First 19 chapters of the book of Exodus, we have God's people being set apart. So you'll remember, um, because of a drought, you have Jacob and his 12 sons with Joseph, who had been sent there by God. They meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And they wound up in Egypt, in the land of Goshen. And for 400 years, they had a massive population bloom in Egypt. Boy, there were these Israelites just coming out of nowhere. There's just so many of them, so much so that the Pharaoh says, what are we going to do with these people? And they enslave them, and then they start killing some of them. And eventually, the cry of God's people because of the oppression of the Egyptians is heard before God. You might say this, God reached the boiling point. And then he allows his people to be delivered through a man named Moses, a man who at the age of 40 wanted to kind of do it. And he killed an Egyptian with his own hand. 
God says, whoa, that's not how I have this plan. And he sent him on the backside of the desert for 40 years. Yeah, and then he spoke to him from a burning bush when he's 80 years old and sent him back to Egypt. And then he led his people out. Okay. And then for the last 40 years of his life, he, of course, got the law and helped guide the people as they wandered in the wilderness. So it's kind of the life of Moses. But in those first 19 chapters, we, we read about the, the 10 plagues and how God uh, providentially led his people out. And he drowned Pharaoh's army by splitting the Red Sea. Come on, these are really familiar stories. You read the first part of Exodus and you just want to go out and get your best Charleston Heston voice on and go, let my people go, you know. Okay, that wasn't a good Heston impression. But you know what I'm saying? You, you just read it and it, it, it really pumps you up, doesn't it? Yeah, those first 19 chapters. And what it was is it was God taking a people who were just kind of nobodies in this Picture of the world is usually what Egypt is pictured as. Sinfulness, the leeks and the garlic and the false gods. And God brings them out and he redeems them. He purchases them back. The blood on the doorpost, that final, that final trial that comes through there. And then, in an essence, kind of like a baptism, they go through the waters and purged of all that old life and all being left behind and drowned in the sea. And then you have Mar Miriam's song. Yeah, right after they come through and she begins to dance and sing with the other ladies of how God had redeemed them and set them free. Well, what is that? It's God taking people and his people who are called by his name and setting them apart, pulling them out from the picture of the world and redeeming them unto himself to be a peculiar people, a holy people. Boy, that's an important phrase. We're going to hold on to that, okay? A holy people set apart unto him. They were going to represent God. They were going to hold his name for to the people of the world. These people were God's people. And he calls them out. Then you get the latter part of Exodus and you go, oh, well, the first part was enjoyable to read. But really the latter part is exciting if you know what's going on. What happens is, is God begins to talk to Moses there in chapter 20. And he gives him what's called the Ten Commandments. And then after that, almost the rest of the book of Exodus, God begins to talk to uh, Moses and talk to Aaron about the construction of the tabernacle. He talks about the table of showbread. He talks about the candlestick. He talks about how many layers of the animal skins and the different fabrics that were going to be used to make up the covering. How big everything was supposed to be. The holy place, the holy of holies, the ark of the covenant, the mercy seat on top. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. All those instruments, all those things. That's the latter part of the book of Exodus. And sometimes you're reading your Bible and you start to do this number. Okay, I've been guilty of that because it's just, it's like reading through an instruction manual of how to build something. And that's ultimately what it is. It's God telling his people how to construct and build this tabernacle. It talks about really how it's supposed to be used and what the different elements within the tabernacle are for and how that building is to be used. But in the midst of God giving Moses instruction, you'll remember they sin pretty bad, don't they? Moses is up on Mount Sinai. He's got the Ten Commandments. He's receiving laws about the tabernacle, all this information. And down among the people, they come up to Aaron and they say, Hey, uh, make us a God. Make us a semblance of our God. And they start getting earrings and pieces of gold and they make the golden calf. 
Remember Aaron said, I don't know what happened. It just jumped out of the fire. <laughs> just appeared. <laughs> just trying to get out of being in trouble, you know. And, and of course, what that really was, if you start putting the whole context of the picture together, here God had pulled these people out of Egypt, out of the world, to be holy. And while He's giving them instructions on how to be holy, you know what they're doing? Being unholy. They're longing to have God represented like all the false gods of Egypt had been represented. Matters of gold and stone. That's one of the commandments God had just given them. They don't make any of those images that are there. They were going to have the tabernacle built, but they were a filthy people. Come on, let's be honest. The children of Israel, if you know their history, you know this. Although they were going to have a tabernacle of purity and gold and beauty and holiness that God was going to meet them at, they themselves, although they had been separated and brought out, were still pretty filthy. They didn't know how to be holy. They didn't know how to make things right between them and God. And so after the book of Exodus, you have the book of Leviticus. A book where you have people who are going to be taught or a, a book in which the people are going to learn how people who have been set apart unto God can live holy for their God. Because okay? it's not so much just to know there's a place of worship. We need to know how to behave in the place of worship. We need to know what kind of sacrifices to bring. We need, to need, we need to know about what we're supposed to eat and how we're supposed to handle sicknesses and how we're supposed to do it because it all represents this. We have a holy God and we need to behave in such a way that when people see us, they recognize we serve a holy God. Amen. That we are no longer a part of this, but that we have been pulled out and we have been set apart, sanctified, holy unto our God. That's really what the book of Leviticus is all about. They were going to know about the tabernacle, but now they're going to learn what's required of purity and cleanness and holiness. In Numbers, we already read it in Numbers 1.1, we see a picture from the book of Exodus, the end of the book of Exodus. They have a tabernacle, <coughs> but they don't know how to use it. And then in Numbers, we read in Numbers 1.1 that God's speaking to Moses in the tabernacle. Okay? So there's something that happens where God is then able to speak with His people in the tabernacle. Moses is the mediator whom God spoke through to His people. Moses in Numbers is allowed in the tabernacle to hear from God. Though there was failure in Israel, they learned from Leviticus on how to be right with God and receive atonement from sin, chapter 16, and how they are made right with Him. Leviticus shows us a people who did not know how to be right with God yet. Leviticus 1.1 actually even points that out. In the, in the verse that we read, it says, And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle. Even, even the Hebrew word there, the phrase, it, it shows this idea that he was placed outside of it. He was not in the tabernacle. He was in a place where he could not be alone with God. Moses would receive instruction from the book of Leviticus, not on how to build a tabernacle, not on how to build furniture, not on how to properly move the tabernacle, not on how to have rituals and systems in place, but on this. He was going to learn how to be holy and set apart unto his God. 
God's intentions are very clear in every law given. You say, even the dietary laws? Oh yeah, I can't wait till we get to those. Yeah, the dietary laws, just go ahead and let this one out of the bag. The dietary laws are not about you eating healthy. Nope. Yeah, the laws later on where it talks about leprosy and the skin stuff, that is not primarily, in the book, it's not primarily about them having good health care and making sure all their medical needs are taken care of. You know, it ultimately all boils down to this, holiness. Holiness before God. How to be pure and set apart for God's use. In the book of Leviticus, I love the first seven chapters. The first seven chapters deal with the sacrifices. There's five different sacrifices. Uh, actually, starting next Wednesday, we'll have a handout for you for that. And uh, something for you to fill in blanks on and kind of get some information on it. But we're going to talk about all those different sacrifices. The burn offering, the peace offering, all those different offerings that are there. Very significant and purpose and intention behind each of those five different ones. In chapters 8, 9, and 10, it talks about the priest. Kind of more of a narrative. Uh, it's actually where we have record where they try to offer up some offerings and do it wrong and Nadab and Abihu get eaten up with the fire. Okay, and that's in chapters 8 through 10 there. 11 through 15 deal with impurity and purity and the differences between the two. Chapter 16 is the key chapter of the book. In chapter 16 it's all building up to this, the Day of Atonement. When once a year the high priest would enter in and offer up sacrifice for the atonement of the sins of the people. And then in chapter 17 through 27 we might call it this, holistic holiness. The fact that God's Word touches every aspect of our life. That there is not one area of life that we can say, oh that's exempt, you can't touch that. But every single area of Israel's life, and it says every single area of our life, God's Word infiltrates and we need to be holy, not just in our church life. Amen. We need to be holy, not just in uh, one area, but holistic. It touches every aspect, and he deals with that through the last ten chapters there of the book. The basis of all these laws incorporate mainly in three areas. There's three major law sections, you might say, in the book of Leviticus. There's moral laws, which supersede time. Moral laws are laws that are timeless, which is basically like moral laws have to do with this. Don't lie, don't steal, don't kill. Those are, have to do with morals, okay, and what's morally right and wrong. You also have civil laws. Civil laws would be like uh, farming, death penalty, what constitutes different things within their government, okay. And then you have a third thing, which is ceremonial laws, like the sacrifices, rituals, holy days. Okay? And those are all talked about as well. So you have these three basic areas that are there. All three of these divisions of the law, moral, civil, and ceremonial, are timeless and important to the New Testament. Moral ones, they still apply today. There might be some things civilly that we don't do. And there might be some things uh, uh, as far as rituals and things, ceremonial, that we don't do. But they're all important. You see, morally, God wants us to live right. But civilly, we might not have to put a wall around the roof of our house, okay, or mix two different types of uh, cloth. There's certain things like that in the law of Leviticus. But there's principles there. Like, I might not be required to put a wall around the top of my roof, but it does teach me this. I should be mindful about safety. I should be mindful about taking care of people and doing things safely. Ceremonial, we understand about sacrifices and understand the truth of the blood of Jesus Christ through understanding these ceremonies, sacrifices, and rituals that are done. 
In other words, we can easily identify Leviticus as the book that shows us the need of the law. It's very important that we understand it. So, let's do this. Galatians chapter 3. I told you we'd need to go there, so let's go there. Galatians chapter number 3. <clears throat> and we'll kind of tie this all together with a nice little bow here. Galatians chapter number 3 and verse number 22. <clears throat> Galatians 3.22, it says this. But the Scripture hath concluded all under sin. That the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. The intention of the law is simply this, to show us we cannot keep it. And we need Jesus. Amen. Without the law, there's no need of a Savior. We need to understand what this law is all about. The very first verse of the book shows us a great distance between God and man. That there might be rituals in place or some tabernacle in place. We could have a building, but that doesn't mean we're right with God. They were not even allowed in God's presence because of their sin. And, and the truth and timeless thought of this, we might say these verses, is simply this. Sinfulness separates sinners from God. That's a lot of S's. Sinfulness separates sinners from God. And that, that is a reality that is timeless and is true. God's people could not enter into that tabernacle to meet with the presence of God because they were filthy and they were sinners. And the reality is still true today. We are all as an unclean thing. There is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are filthy and unclean. And I'm telling you, we cannot enter into the presence of God we don't have a right to. We can't just bust into the Holy of Holies and say, here I am. Take me as I am. Well, God, what's right for you isn't quite right for me. What you say is wrong. Well, it's subjective. I don't, it doesn't fly with God. God is absolute. And He has determined objective, absolute truth. And I'm telling you, there is no way sinful man can come boldly before the throne of God. But can they? The book of Hebrews says, I'm able to come boldly before the throne of grace. The, 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 the scriptures make it clear that I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Well, how is that possible? Only through Jesus Christ. <laughs> The reality is, is the law shows me I am filthy and I am a dirty sinner. But the truth of the New Testament is this. Jesus came to fulfill the law and keep it in all of its perfection. And through Jesus Christ, we can then enter into the tabernacle. What happens in the book of Leviticus? where now a priest in numbers can be heard in the tabernacle. What happens is Leviticus... A law where they learn to temporarily atone or cover for their sins. But I am thankful Jesus didn't come just to atone or cover. He came to remit sins. Amen. That's what the book of Hebrews says. It wasn't possible with the shedding of blood of bulls and goats. But Jesus entered in once. Without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sins. It's gone. It's remitted it's blotted out. It's gone. When God sees me, He sees me pure and clean. Amen. Sinfulness separates sinners from God. 
If you're not saved uh, here tonight, can I tell you the great news? Jesus can save you. Amen. Absolutely He can. If you're maybe watching the, the live stream even online, Jesus can save you. Yep. You might not be able to enter into God, enter into His presence, and you'll never be able to by trying to do it with good works, but through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's only through the blood. But maybe if you're saved here tonight, you'd understand this. Even us that are saved, sometimes we can get pretty filthy. Amen. Yeah. Positionally, we are saved, but practically we're not in fellowship with God. Yeah. You can't lose your salvation, but you can sure lose your fellowship. Amen. Maybe it is here tonight you recognize sin separates sinners from God. Yep. To recognize that God wants us to be holy. He saved us from the world and set us over here to be a peculiar people, zealous of good works, holy and set apart unto His use. Maybe it is through the book of Leviticus you start to recognize this. God wants me to be holistically holy. It touches every part of my life. Holy, purely. I want to be holy in my thoughts. I want to be holy in my actions. I want to be holy in my family life. I want to be holy in my entertainment choices. I want to be holy in my church life. I want to be holy in everything I do. I want to be set apart unto Him. And the book of Leviticus shows us the reality that we can be holy before God because of Jesus Christ and His shed blood. Maybe tonight you realize, hey, I'm in sin. Sin has separated me from God. I'm not in fellowship with Him. The first step of getting right with God is repent. Turn from that sin. Recognize you're separated and get things right with the Lord. Get rid of sin. Jesus died to have fellowship with you. Don't allow sinful behavior to tarnish this fellowship. Get things right with the Lord here tonight. Let's all stand together as we come to a time of invitation here tonight. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Leviticus. Lord, there's so much truth just packed even in just these couple verses that we read. And Lord, I pray that we would truly be set apart, holy, and dedicated to you. Lord, I'm excited about going through this study. Uh, Lord, even next week, uh, one of my favorite passages dealing with the burnt offerings. Wow, there's so much there. Uh, I'm just so thrilled and so excited to go through this book. And Lord, for us to be encouraged and strengthened and learning not only about the fact that we should live holy, but the fact that we can live holy because of the sacrifice that you've given us with Jesus Christ. Bless now this invitation. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we do pray. But Gary's going to sing. If you need to respond, won't you come? Oh, to Jesus I surrender All to Him I freely give I will ever love and trust Him Appreciate your attention to the Word uh, here tonight, and I uh, hope you have a great remainder of this week. Stay healthy. 
Don't get sick. And I'll look forward to hopefully seeing lots of people back on Sunday and uh, give each other an encouraging word on the way out. And uh, be mindful. Uh, Some people, uh, I honestly believe what's going on in our church right now probably doesn't have as much to do with people feeling bad because they're sick as much as it does people feeling bad because they're missing out on fellowship. And uh, I I see that over and over again. And so we need to be mindful to uh, text people, call people, uh, just stay on top of people. Uh, I'd rather somebody say, could you tell people in the church to quit calling me than to have somebody say, nobody called me. Okay, so uh, honestly, I'd rather err on that side. So bug people to death, okay? Uh, Hopefully not in a literal sense there, Uh, but just bug people. Stay on top of, hey, we're praying for you. We love you. Can we bring you something? And I always enjoy hearing that from people. Hey, so-and-so called me or so-and-so brought me something. That's a blessing. It's a blessing. That's what church life is all about. So, All right, well, let's be dismissed with a word of prayer, and uh, then we'll look forward to being back here on uh, Sunday. Brother David, would you mind dismissing the word of prayer? Oh, yeah.